0: Welcome to Sunrise Live, the podcast where we have deep conversations with freelance models. And today I have Dakota Lee on the line. Say hello. Hello. I'm so excited to talk with you. When I look at everything that you post and share, I can tell that you have like an eye for quality and you exude confidence and professionalism. And I really respect that. Thanks. It's funny hearing that because I,
1: <laughs> I guess I don't really see that in myself. But you know, I just kind of keep on keeping on and I guess it's working. And I'm going to keep doing it.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. And then in addition to modeling, I know that you run events and you do photography. I do. Yeah, I started as a full time model, sort of by happenstance.
1: And from there, I started running events, gosh, about four, five years ago, I'd say, maybe six years ago. And they've, you know, each year they kind of build more and more, I do more and more events. And then I got behind the lens, I want to say about, it's been about four or five years for that as well, where more in earnest, I guess. And I've been a professional photographer as my predominant income, I would say for the last two years.
0: Sweet, that is really inspiring. Because I've been on the other side of the lens too, but I find a hard time, like wanting to advertise for paid photography clients. It's a completely different ball game. It's the marketing is very different. Honestly, it's the marketing
1: for modeling came very naturally to me. I, I don't know for me, a lot of how I built my clientele as a model was a lot of direct interaction, a lot of word of mouth, really engaging with the clients and building these long-term relationships with them. And with photography, I feel like it's just a little bit wonkier for me. I I feel like the concept is the same. You're building these great relationships with your clients. I certainly have ongoing clients in my photography business and they're amazing. I, I love my clients, but it's just the way that you market is very different. Learning what will sell is to me just for the way my brain works it is a lot harder it's interesting yeah it was a very steep learning curve either that or i when i first started modeling i was so into it that that's that was my whole life like i was going through a divorce so modeling was sort of my way to like kind of rebuild my life and create this new reality for myself that was separate from any relationship I was in. And so I really focused and became a workaholic. And that was just like my sole focus, besides my son. And I built a whole career out of that hyper focus. And I, maybe it's just as a photographer, you know, I'm pulling from all these different hats and it's a little bit slower of a learning process.
0: <laughs> One thing that I might note about how marketing for photography is different than for modeling is that with photography, it appears to me that there's a much wider spread of what average going rates might be. And with freelance modeling, there's like a more common like window of what average going rates might be. I agree. And
1: one thing I love about modeling,
0: there's a lot more just uh, this is completely
1: anecdotal and this could be a sweeping generalization. So I'm prefacing what I'm about to say with that. But with modeling, I think people on the outside have this concept that models are very competitive toward each other. And that may be true, but my experiences have been that there's actually a much, a, a very tight knit camaraderie between models and we look out for each other and we support each other. And we talk a lot about, Hey, what are you charging? We're more open about what we're charging. And from that, I think we we more easily build good boundaries for ourselves. We build a, uh, good booking policies for ourselves. And we're able to set industry standard rates more so than photographers because photographers, it's anywhere from like $50 for a family session to $5,000 for a family session. And it's kind of a lot harder for my experiences to find support as a photographer than as a model. So that's also been a very interesting experience. And I will say the defining moments of my photography career came from very kind people who mentored me and that made a big difference in my career going forward.
0: That's great. So have have you found that often other photographers who might have a similar client base to you are sort of more what's the word I'm looking for? Not not necessarily aggressive but like seemingly competitive?
1: Yes, absolutely. They're a lot more competitive and they can even be sort of I've had a couple of instances of people intentionally giving maybe not the most not the best advice. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Where I was kind of a baby photographer starting out with my website and stuff and was well, just I think there's just a lot more competitiveness and they'll sometimes do or say things to undermine any progress you have. And then some people they just have different opinions. Like you you ask one person how to market. And they'll give you, you you'll you get, you ask 20 people, they'll give you 20 different answers. So it's just, it's really hard to find out what works, I think, for you personally, but
0: yeah. That, that reminds me. I've, I've kind of dabbled, like I mentioned, a little bit in photography and videography. And there was a period of time that I was like trying to like advertise for that kind of paid work. And I remember when I first bought my first drone, I was really excited about it. And I posted some drone footage that I shot. And I was like, I'm available as a drone cinematographer if you want to hire me. And then all these other competing drone photographers in my area were messaging me like, oh, do you have your... Part one oh seven license. Oh, oh well, you better get that because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to get in trouble. And I was like, oh, thanks. And I could tell that they were like ready to throw me under the bus with yeah. like, the FAA or something like that.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like just so you know, we're trying to help you out, so you should probably get a permit because I'm totally. But then it's like, yeah, they're probably going to say something if you don't.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm glad that I got that information because I I did go ahead and do that, but I, the way that. Some person, the way that one particular person was in my inbox about that, it made me feel like I was about to get reported. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I definitely have had similar experiences. (laughs) So for people that are listening, can you describe, like, how you first got into modeling. I know you mentioned that it was through a divorce, but I'd like to hear a little bit more in detail about that and then what platforms you use to get into things and then how long your career has gone over the years until it's what led you to where you are today. Sure. Well, I,
1: so I started, I was bartending at the time and I had, my have a son, but I was basically just doing the mom thing and bartending and I was sort of uh, on the cusp of getting ready to go back to college for nursing, because that's what I was in school to pursue. I was a terrible high school student, but I was a great college student, so I had grants and stuff. I mean, it was all set in terms of doing the nursing thing. And a photographer reached out to me and wanted to photograph me. He said, I don't typically like working with models because they're a little bit more critical of how they want to look or whatever. I'm kind of looking for non-models. Are you interested? And it was a, it was art nude shoot. And I have no shame at all with my body. I just don't really see the big deal about nudity and I've never seen it as this. I mean, it can be exciting, right? But that's if I'm attracted to somebody, but otherwise I just think kind of bodies are bodies. So I was like, yeah, I'm super down. Let's do that. And then I got in his portfolio and other people saw me in his portfolio. And I started getting people reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, I like the work I saw there. Would you like to work with me? And I never thought I was a model. I would, these were all trade shoots. I, I did that for about a year. And I went with a friend to Philly for a shoot. And you know, I was living in Northern Virginia at the time, which was pretty far of a drive. And, you know, the guy was just a jerk. Like the photographer, when I got there, he just wasn't very nice to me. And my friend was like, you know, if this guy's going to treat you like crap, you should at least get paid for it. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm kind of, at this time I was about 30 and I was like, well, you know, no one's going to hire me, right? Like I'm not five foot 10 with a 23 inch waist and I'm not 19. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, you could absolutely make money off of this. And he had a, his girlfriend actually was a former full time model. And he was like, Look, I'll you know, I'll hook you up with my girlfriend and you guys can talk. And she became my my mentor. And they basically encouraged me to take all the photos that I had modeled for in the past year, the best ones, and put them on a website called Model Mayhem.
0: <laughs> Yay, model mayhem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: So that's what I did. I took all those photos. And again, you know, through their encouragement, because I wouldn't have done it. I just, I don't know. I just thought, you know, I'm not that pretty. I thought I was attractive, but I just didn't think I was model attractive. And, you know, again, I'm not five foot 10 and a size zero at five foot 10. But it, you know, I joined Model Mayhem and boom, it was just immediate. Gosh, man, I was, you know, a lot of them were creeps, but there were some that were not creeps. And I'm very fortunate that I had two mentors. The two mentors that I had, the first one who was my friend's girlfriend is Holly Rogue. And then another local model who's a wonderful art model as well. Her name is Blue River Dream.
0: Oh, yeah. I've met her.
1: Yeah. Blue's great. Blue's great. I mean, Holly, they're both just delightful, wonderful people and great art models. So I got, you know, it was a stroke of luck, really. And they mentored me. They showed me how to look out for creeps and what kind of messages are creepy and what messages are good. And I kind of ran everything by them, at least for the first few months, so I could get on my feet a little bit. And that's how it all started. And kind of, you know, I didn't intend on doing it full time, but I just was getting a lot of work. And it was like I was trying to be a mom and a bartender and think about going back to school and all these things and i was like something had to give. So i took the leap and started full-time modeling. It was really scary. I cried a lot <laughs> because i was i was afraid of like, well, what if i fail, you know? But i just felt this pull to do this thing and that was actually pretty shortly after my ex-husband and i split through completely unrelated reasons, but you know, we split up and we were figuring out co-parenting and my ex was always super supportive of my modeling. But after that ended, it was just a really jarring experience. And I thought the art, the art world is, it was like my first time really working a lot with artists. And it was a very meaningful experience to me. I was going to New York City a lot and just immersing in the local art scene and working with amazing artists. And it was just so cool like it was just such an amazing i was traveling all over the country basically living my dream like when i was a kid i wanted to be a professional adventurer like that was like literally it i was like i gotta find a way to like be a professional adventurer because that's what i wanted to do with my life (laughs) modeling gave me that opportunity to, to cherry pick basically within reason wherever i wanted to go at any given time it was amazing so I just dove into my work and built a career for myself.
0: That's awesome, and yeah, making that leap from not modeling full time to making it your full time—that basically means that you 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 almost have to travel.
1: Is that right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, when I was in when I first the first couple of years, I would say uh, I didn't travel really anywhere besides New York City. There are so many photographers in the DC area it's insane. And I and I, I don't suffer from local model syndrome here. I don't know why. I'm just lucky in that regard. There are other areas where I can't book any work and everyone else gets booked like crazy, but for some reason local photographers do book me here. So for the first 2 years that sustained me financially. Yeah, yeah, but then it, until like you're like, all right, you know, you've worked with a lot of local artists and you see all these other models traveling. And I I was traveling occasionally, but not to the degree that I started to travel, which was like for about four years, man, I was traveling a lot. Like it was like every other weekend, you know, I was going somewhere and I was super cool. I became pretty addicted to traveling and went all over the world, you know, it was legit. (laughs) But it got draining. I was just tired of living out of a suitcase all the time. And I wanted a more stable life for myself and for my son. And I wanted a relationship. You know, like, it's just hard to, I got to the point where I was like, all right, I was ready to be in a serious relationship. And I was casually dating for a while. But when you're traveling all the time, it's kind of hard to devote time to a committed relationship. So I decided to start pursuing other avenues to try to root down more in at
0: home. That's cool. Yeah. It is hard to maintain a relationship when you're traveling that much, unless you get your partner to hit the road with you and like work remotely, but that's kind of like hard to, hard to make happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen some people do it and it, it looks awesome. Like you do it, you know, I think, I think it's great. But I, I think, I think that does help to build a really solid, intimate, like pair bonded relationship to be able to, I mean, you don't, you know, I don't agree with, I don't like necessarily agree for, for like, everybody has to see their partner every day, but it certainly helps, if, especially in the beginning stages, if you're spending a lot of time with your partner
0: to yeah. really, to
1: really build that foundation, you know?
0: Yes, I agree. I want to rewind a little bit because you mentioned when you first started, you had your your mentors that really helped you get started, and they helped you point out like how to book photo shoots and how to point out if they're creepy or not. And I want to hear like from your from your definition, like what what would the line be for somebody being too creepy to book a shoot with or not? Like what what is your like definition of that and has that changed over the years Uh,
1: definitely has changed in the first I'd say one or so years one or two years I I don't know if I just had more patience for people or I just didn't recognize it as problematic behavior like you know if someone called me like oh you're very beautiful I'd like to book you like that wouldn't be an issue for me in the beginning of my career. Now if you if you if you call me like, "Oh, you're so beautiful. I would love to book you." I'd be like, "Bet, I'm out." <laughs> like like even like my threshold is so much lower for anything. Like if I could like like there's so many things now that I just don't tolerate and uh, it's almost like hard it, it's like a Santa Claus level of like, like length of a list like but typically like so like now and how it's been for the past few years like a- any comments on my body any excessive discussions about you know personal life or it's just how, how do I define it it's just it's honestly a lot of it's a feeling you know I, I feel like I can gather everything I need to know about a photographer and their Intentions, pretty much in the first three sentences. It's just, it's you know, you've been modeling a while too. You kind of gather like what the vibe is going to be, yeah. Um, And
0: I've thought about this quite a bit, also because my tolerance for what I consider creepy or not has also changed a lot. And when I first started, it wasn't like that at all. It's just like I like making money, but I I don't think it's necessarily for with me. If, if I hear somebody say, oh, you're so hot, I want to shoot you, the statement itself isn't like the bad thing. It's just that I've had so many negative experiences with somebody that opened the conversation with that, that I associate that as the red flag where, oh, I know what I'm getting into if I want to shoot with this guy. He's going to be one of those. It's not the statement itself. It's just the archetype character that I assume this is going to end up as. <laughs>
1: Correct, and you know, nine out of nine out of ten times, you're going to be right. Yeah, there is that one chance that the person is respectful and chill and whatnot. But just off of the who knows, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of experiences we've had, you you learn that you just you don't need to risk it anymore. You're established enough. Not that I'm saying someone who isn't established shouldn't have these risks like you need to you, people people need to define what their risk levels are for themselves but once you get to a certain point you just you just realize it's not worth the emotional energy anymore like it's so draining to 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 have to even to even stress about it right even if someone reaches out and says oh you're so beautiful i want to book you or whatever uh, they could be a good person but even just the anxiety of having to wonder if they are is not enough it's it's not it's not worth it like no amount yeah. of you know it's like just no amount of hourly rate or whatever day rate they're gonna book me at
0: I just don't have the patience for it anymore I'd rather not <laughs> like yeah at a certain point you'd rather just like chill in your jammies, you know, with your pets or whatever, then get $125 an hour to put up with somebody who's going to be asking you a bunch of awkward questions.
1: Literally. Yes. It's like this happened when I was a bartender too. It reminds me of the spirit the experience. This rich kid used to come in. It was like the spoiled kid who needed help. I don't think he, I don't know if he was a bad person, but he definitely was putting out a lot of cries for help, but he would come in, he'd order a glass of wine and he'd tip me hundred dollars every time never hit on me just he would order a glass of wine and and he did that every bar he went to and he was just a jerk he just it wasn't sexist comments it was just he was just a jerk to everybody like he would just make really he would treat you like straight up like the help you know and i remember he was complaining about this bartender from another bar kicking him out. And it's like, how dare he? You know, I spend $40,000 a year at that bar, that fucking guy, who does he think he is? And I remembered yelling at him at that moment. And I was like, well, maybe people don't care about money. Maybe they just want to be treated like decent human beings, which you're not even let you're not even doing. Maybe people don't care about your money. They just want to be respected. And he like, was super like, shocked by what I said and basically paid and left. He didn't tip me a hundred dollars that time. But what's funny is like four months later or whatever, he comes back in and he was sweet and kind and well-behaved and he only tipped me 20%. (laughs) Whoa,
0: that's interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was like, I mean, he still tipped it in the standard tipping rate for a bartender at that time, but it was just funny. It's like, I, I think that's what you realize. It's like, Mon- There's just no amount of money that's
0: worth your like mental health anymore. Definitely. Speaking of all the different various experiences that we've had, I have this part of my podcast that I like to call the photo shoot fail of the week. Ooh. Doesn't have to be negative, but can you describe a situation where you had a shoot that was memorable, either because it was crazy? the situation surrounding the shoot was maybe like off the wall or perhaps the photographer themselves were crazy.
1: Yes. There's-
0: <laughs> yeah. Take your time. If there's more than one, you can tell more than one too.
1: Well, it's funny because I was actually just talking about this recently with somebody, you know, I, I've kind of, I've kind of gone back into a little bit of urbex shooting, which that was like my bread and butter when I first started out. I love urbex shooting. It's so fun. However, <laughs> Urbex shooting, it needs to be perceived, it, you need to proceed with caution with urbex shooting. So I used to shoot in urbex spots in cities, right? Not like every city, but like cities that I would thought, okay, like it's probably like safe here, right? Like it's chill. So I was shooting in Richmond, Virginia, and I booked with this photographer and I said, hey, you know, I got this urbex location, I got the urbex spot from a friend of mine in Richmond, right? Do you want to go here? And I showed him some photos of the space that my, you know, my friend had taken. He was like, oh, it looks great. Let's go. So it was in near historic or old town Richmond. I'm not sure what they call it there, but it was a really beautiful area. And it was like this abandoned factory, right? It was humongous. So we sneak onto this property, right? We park in the parking lot, sneak in this property. And it's great. I mean, it's, it's pouring down pouring down rain that day so it was almost like a movie because it was like waterfalls coming through the cracks in the and and the the pieces of the floor that had fallen and the you know the whole place was dilapidated walls were fall had parts of what the wall had fallen down and the, the place was kind of situated like a square with the with a courtyard in the center and we're shooting in this one room And we see these two like rockabilly dudes, like these like these skinny guys in like tight pants and like a tight t-shirt who just looked really out of place. I'm like, and they're just like a link, like just like standing there for no reason at all. And so I'm like, that's fucking weird, right? So we go over there and we're like, hey, we're gonna be shooting this other room. Just let you know, like we're not cops or whatever. We're just like creating art, just want to let you know, I'm going to be in various states of dressed and undressed, we're going to be shooting with fabric, so just want to let you know, okay? And they were like, yeah, like no problem, right? And then we see them uh, shortly after on another level, because again, it's a courtyard, so you can kind of see into the other rooms, like it's separated by like 30 feet or whatever, 25 feet of like this courtyard, but still you can see into the other side. And then we see them in, like, another room just standing. And I'm like, what the fuck? What are they doing? It's so weird. So we're just like, whatever. I don't know. And we keep shooting because we don't really catch on what's that. That's weird, right? I mean, we think it's weird. We don't do anything. So we're shooting in this ba- the biggest room. And the ceilings are super tall. And, like, it's a really cool, big, open room. And the uh, part of the room on the other far end is completely in shadow. So all of a sudden we see these two people come into the room and we can't make out who they are because they're in shadow. And one of the guys looks like one of those like rockabilly guys in skinny pants, right? The other guy is all of a sudden wearing very baggy clothing. And I'm like, that doesn't look like the other guy. That's like a new guy. Who is that? But again, I couldn't make out who he was, but they're walking towards us fairly quickly. And Then they stop before they get out of the shadows and they talk amongst themselves. But again, the room is large, so we can't even hear what they're saying. And then they just turn around and walk away. I'm like, what? What the heck, dude? So the photographer and I keep shooting. And might I add, Virginia, this is a very important part of the conversation. because has a story because Virginia's open carry. The photographer was... Open carrying. He had a gun with him. This is the only time I've ever gone to a shoot with anyone besides a police officer and somebody in the military, where he had a gun. Right, and he. But he told me, he's like, "We're going to a abandoned location. We should have a gun." I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine with that." So we're shooting in the room still, and suddenly out of nowhere, this guy that I didn't recognize, but interestingly enough, he looked like the same. His clothes looked the same as like the guy in the shadows. This guy comes out of nowhere across the courtyard and has a gun and is pointing a gun at us. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, the photographers pointed with his back to the guy. I see the dude and I go, Oh my God, he's got a gun. And I jump behind the photographer and I try to pull the photographer behind because the wall was open, right? That's how we even saw the guy. Uh-huh. And there's a, there's a brick wall, like maybe two feet. If I pull the photographer, like two feet, like there's a brick wall where we can hide behind. So I jump behind this dude and the, the photographer is getting ready to pull his gun. And then as soon as the, of uh, the guy sees this, the guy in baggy clothes, he, he like holds up the gun when he sees the photographer pulling the gun he goes, Oh, you know, it's fake <laughs> or like some weird shit. I forgot exactly what, but it was like, yeah, oh, it's fake, you know? And kind of, he holds both of his hands up with the gun in the other hand. And then he just disappears and, like, just disappears. So I look at the photographer and I'm like, hey, man, we gotta get out of here right now, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, let's get out of here. So we just, like, very calmly pack up our shit, right? Very calmly leave the property. And as we're leaving, we kind of hug the walls, like, what walls that were left. And whenever we're at an open part, we just kind of jump as quickly as we can to oh another God. wall. And we're like hugging these walls because that's the direction the guy was coming from. The guy was coming from the opposite side. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just hug these walls. We'll get to the trail, which we did. And as we're walking out the trail, we hear gunshots going off, like a couple gunshots go, up, go off. And But wait, there's more. So we get to the parking lot. Yeah, we get to the parking lot. And there is, and again, it's pouring rain, pouring, pouring, pouring rain. There are two men now in the parking lot that are just sitting in the car and the car is turned on. There's a woman standing, a young, beautiful blonde girl in the center of the parking lot in a red trench coat, standing in the center of the parking lot, soaking wet. And i basically fully detached emotionally, at, like at this point, as a survival defense, like neck, like as a way to get out without freaking out, right? So I don't really have any emotional reaction to anything. I'm just totally spaced out right now. And we get in the car, and as we're driving away, I go up to the to this girl, and I'm like, you know, we, we roll down the window, like, "Hey, are you okay?" You know, we heard gunshots going off. Are you all right? She's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I was gonna go, you know, like explore there, but you know, I like." decided not to because yeah, I heard those gunshots. So yeah, I'm just going to hang here for a second. And I'm like, I'm not connecting any dots. But I'm like, yeah, okay. Are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then we're just like, all right. And then we drive away. And it wasn't until once we drove away and like got to a safe space, then I started freaking out. Right. I was like, oh my God, that was, you know, I was driving my car. They have my license place. Like, what the fuck was that? Was it a drug deal? What the hell? Because none of these people fit together. None of them looked like they would ever be friends. Nothing made sense. They all look complete. It was just the weirdest collection of people and like situations. And I thought it was potentially a drug deal. I spoke to a couple other models about it, and they said, "Oh no, that's likely sex trafficking." That girl was probably that girl was probably being trafficked, and you just came into a traffic trafficking situation and they wanted you to get the fuck out is what was happening so I don't know what happened I I tried to watch the news to see if anybody was killed there since we heard gunshots I didn't say anything I didn't report anything listen where I grew up snitches get stitches dude I didn't I just didn't say shit I was like listen, I'm staying out of this I got my license plate I got a kid like I'm no I have no idea what that what the fuck that was the photographer never worked with me again (laughs)
0: Oh, my God. You
1: know, because, I mean, he didn't say anything negative, but he wanted to post the photos. And I said, absolutely not. And I was paid for this shoot, but I was like, I would prefer if you could wait three months at least because I really don't want these people to find me or you. I don't think you realize that this could potentially be a dangerous situation. He's like, no, it's going to be fine. Like, everyone shoots there. He's like, yeah, but they saw us. I really don't want you to. I was so adamant, I was like, do not post those photos anytime soon. I was like flipping out on them, basically. So yeah, the, and I felt terrible because I was the one that the, it was my location. I suggested it. it was my fault. So yeah, that's the craziest shoot situation I've ever
0: had. Whoa that that is extremely extremely bizarre. The guy that ran up on you guys with a gun, and then as soon as he saw the photographer's gun, he was like, "Oh, sorry, it's just a toy gun or whatever." Like. What what was he planning on doing? Like, like just mugging you? I I'm I always assume that people that want to like steal from you usually want you to be like abandoning your car and then they break into your car. A lot of people, I would assume, don't want to have like a physical altercation or whatever. Right. I well, I, I think
1: well you know the, the
0: photographer looked like I mean he wasn't a cop
1: but he looked like a cop. He had the short haircut. He had the look for it, and he had a gun. So I think what they wanted to potentially do was just scare us away. It was kind of like, I don't know if he was intending on actually shooting us. I think the gunshots were likely him just trying to be like, you all need," you know, we didn't see who shot the gun. We just heard the gunshots. So I'm assuming we came into some either weird drug deal, sex trafficking, something, and they just wanted us to leave because they didn't want us involved. They didn't know who we were. That's my only logical, just by the behavior of everybody. Because it still doesn't make sense to this day. I updated my policies. I will do Urbex, but never in cities again, ever. I don't care how cool it is. And honestly, I don't do. It has to be a really safe location for me to do Urbex. Like just kind of walk onto a onto properties now like typically yeah. speaking i i just do private properties where i I'm, I'm given permission
0: yeah yeah the the red trench coat made the whole scenario sound like almost cinematic like yes it was like a movie like i said cuz it was like raining it
1: was so dramatic there was like what like the, the waterfalls coming through and like this it was like a it was like a like a dream like the way that she was just standing with this bright like you know, the like the Vogue, like or like the Ferrari red. It was like that yeah. kind of red. It was this red trench coat. And she was pretty and she was maybe maybe twenty to twenty three years old. She was young. And I didn't think sex trafficking, I thought it was a drug deal, honestly. But again, like when I told the story to models, like, I don't know couple years later a year later or something they were like oh like to the two that i told them to first like, oh that's trafficking oh yeah 100
0: <laughs> or what i don't know like a ransom like maybe i've watched too many movies but- oh my god
1: oh uh, i don't know I, I i and like that's what that's like, what kills me is i'm never gonna know i'm like yeah. what the fuck was that and what's weird is like i didn't have any emotional reaction like even when the gun was pointed it was just like we gotta get out of here and we just like very slowly it was like okay we have to pack up our stuff now we have to walk. And it was like very like robotic, completely disassociated from my emotional self.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's probably good because, you know, you never really know what you're going to do, how you're going to react to those types of situations. Some people freeze. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's situation dependent. I mean, I've worked, especially in the beginning of my career, I've worked with really coercive photographers who like tried to get me to do stuff. And sometimes you just kind of like, you freeze and i've never been like violated or anything like that but i've had people try to be really really pushy and it's like sometimes sometimes you just you either fawn so you're like trying to like appease the situation and be accommodating as much as you can you know what i mean there's just a variety of things or like someone's making really inappropriate comments to you and you just don't know what to do in that moment i mean i'm a spitfire like i'm typically amazing with my boundaries like but there, there's like that five percent where I just don't know what to do. Like it's just disarming. You're like, whoa, <laughs> how to? And then you feel like shit afterwards. You're like, man, I should have chewed that guy out. I should have left right there. I should have said this and that. But you yeah. Know, but sometimes you don't. Even the most spitfire, sassy people in the moment, they're just like they don't. They're not like that.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's very instinctual and very ingrained. I'll agree with that. Yeah, completely. Mhm. I will mention, you are not the first person on the podcast that had been held at gunpoint at an abandoned building shoot. You are this, this is the second story that I've heard on the podcast where something like that's happened and and she did feel like it was some kind of sketchy drug dealer or something or other going on like so now I'm even more concerned about shooting in abandoned buildings, which sucks because I love to. Also, yeah, I, w- I would just say not in any cities, even if they're, like they seem like the
1: safest city ever. Just anywhere where people can easily walk to it, like it's just not uh, advisable. And you should bring a weapon, like on. It doesn't have to be a gun necessarily. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know what would have happened if the photographer didn't have a gun that day. I mean, I, I, I don't think we would have been hurt, but. I will say when the when the photographer pulled, tr- almost pulled the gun, he was getting ready to pull the gun, the dude who had the gun pointed did completely change his demeanor. So I don't know. I mean, would something else have happened? I don't know. But it seemed like they didn't want us involved. They just wanted us to leave.
0: Yeah. That's bizarre. Damn. Yeah, I'd be a lot more cautious after that, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I put it on my website like no inner cities, no cities at all honestly with for abandoned locations if you want.
0: Yeah. Maybe, yeah,
1: m- me to shoot urbex.
0: I personally really prefer nature like aesthetically, but there's definitely something about abandoned buildings that gives you another kind of feel. Yeah, well and it's interesting cuz I've actually been more into like editorial styles with abandoned
1: like you know like the like the peeling paint and stuff like that. I posted a, a picture recently on my IG the photographer took of me. And that's more like, it's like in this really pretty dress by this company called Selkie. And that's like more kind of what I'm leaning into is like the editorial kind of artsy-ish like vibe, like fashion vibe with like urbex spots. Um, I do love I do love the art nude though in urbex. Like it's a good tried and true. Like you can do cool, creepy, bendy, weird shapes and like
0: look like gollum
1: <laughs> like, like yeah. it
0: looks, you know like it looks so cool I want to take a short little break to tell you about Model Society. ModelSociety.com is a website dedicated to featuring figurative fine art photography for models and photographers. What makes them different than other portfolio hosting websites is that some of those other websites will still host kind of tacky photography or exploitative photos. Model Society screens all of their contributors for quality, and authenticity. So you only get the best of the best on there. If you're not a photographer or model, you can still enjoy and appreciate Model Society because they also have newsletters and magazines featuring their best work and new articles each week. Check it out, modelsociety.com. I will also include a link to Model Society in the show notes. All right, now back to our show. So you said that today your primary income is with photography. Like what percentage do you think is still modeling? Honestly, it varies by month, sometimes
1: 0%. And then other months, other months, it's like 50%. It's, I mean, this, like I would, I'll go months sometimes without even booking a modeling gig because I'm too focused on my photography work or like or my events, for example. I'd say it's probably for the year about 30% of my income. So it's still sizable enough that I can't just be a full-time photographer yet, but it's it's something I do still lean on for sure.
0: When you first were getting into modeling, you were exiting a marriage and it was something that you were doing to kind of like, was it to build confidence or just something exciting to do? I guess, I think it was something to build a, a, a new life for
1: myself. Like you know, I never consider myself artistic ever, or I just didn't think I had the mind for it. So it was extremely validating to be in a career where people valued my artistic input, where they really, where they, where I was a part of this really beautiful process of creating art. And it was just really cool. It was like super meaningful to me. And I got to meet all these Cool people. Like, it was just, you, you'd meet all these fascinating characters, and I was building new relationships. Like, I, I'd never lived alone. I'd never been on my own. I went straight from my parent, my mom's house, to living with my partner, and I'd never been alone as an adult. So, it was just like, for me, it was just really important. I guess all I could, all, the only way I can explain it is just to create my own reality, create a new reality for myself, something that is very distinctly mine. This is, this is something that I created and I, I did all on my own. And what's amazing is what I realized when I was single was that I'm actually like, I'm a lot more successful. <laughs> when i'm only relying on myself and and like i'm my boss and i have to be responsible for myself like it's like a different kind of hustle you know what i mean like you don't have a choice you either do it or you're you're not going to be able to yeah. pay your rent you know what i mean so it was just but i i felt for the first time in my life like way more stable than i ever had i was making more money than i ever had before it really it definitely built a lot of confidence in so many different ways like just being in the modeling industry not only in that regard but also like i felt more confident in who i like who i was not only attractiveness but just in my contribution to society i'm this like for lack of a better word you know muse for other artists and i actually am artistic and it was just like That's it was awesome
0: cool. and now today since you mentioned that there's sometimes a month at a time where you don't have a photo shoot. Do you feel that like when you do have shoots, th- does that like sense come back or do you feel like photography has somewhat replaced that sense of meaning and artistry? I would say, I think this is going to start, you know, with the exception of my events, because my
1: events, I, I'm the creative director, right? I'm the creative director, the instructor, I'm, I'm the stylist a lot of times, all the things, right? So that really exercises my the creative part of my brain and modeling does as well photography is more it's more like it's i wouldn't consider it as artistic so when i do go back into modeling it does i do feel like it's a it's a more artistic experience and i do value it more now since i don't since i don't have to do that exclusively as a living i can be a lot more selective about the projects and i end up enjoying the experience a lot more i love modeling and I think doing it full time for as long as I did really just took a lot of the joy out of it. And I would have some projects that were great and they would keep me afloat. They would keep me sane, but there were projects that weren't so great and I didn't, this allows me, being a photographer allows me to be a lot more selective about projects and my clients so I have a much better experience overall and I'm more invested in what I'm doing when I actually work with people. So I, I, I can give more of my complete self to these projects.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I relate to that too, because if there's ever like a few weeks in a row that I don't have a shoot, I just feel like, huh, oh, I kinda wanna like do something creative. Like I need to do a shoot or something, even if it's self portraits. Yeah, and self portraits are super cool. They're actually they're
1: hard as frick, but they're like a, they're a lot of fun. And I feel like that's where I can really be artistic. It's like, you know, you don't have to... You can, I feel like you can fail a lot more with your self-portraits. It's like, well, if it doesn't work out, you don't. it doesn't matter, right? It's, like, it's not like you're getting paid for it. So it's not like you have to really be on your A-game, you know? So you can experiment more. And with that freedom, you end up with some pretty cool yeah, stuff. I, agree.
0: I have another question that I wanted to ask. I call it the rising Phoenix moment in your life. Can you describe... Something in your life, whether it's related to your modeling or not, where you were faced with a challenge that you had to overcome.
1: Oh, man. This one's really interesting because I feel like there's a lot. There's a, It's like there's so many of those moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A challenge that I've had to overcome – I would definitely say the the probably the biggest moment was definitely going full time. Like that was really hard. That was definitely like, I mean, that whole experience was very much of if it's like the rising Phoenix moment, that was it. Like that was like, I, I, I was like rebuilding from ashes, like not quite literally, but it felt like that quite literally, like just completely starting from scratch and, and not only building this life for me, but thriving that was a super cool experience. I think also another shift in my career came a little bit more recently when I switched out of, pre- I, I'm predominantly, I don't do art nude anymore. And I switched, that was kind of scary, but you know I decided to switch out of art nude as what I was doing mainly. And I, I, ra- I rarely do it nowadays actually. I'm mostly fashion or like lingerie or uh, instructional when I'm a model actually. And that was scary because I think there was this whole thing of like, well, if I switch to mostly fashion, no one's going to book me. No one's going to want to pay me, right? Like, or they're going to want to pay me like 50 bucks an hour. And it was super scary, right? But like, this was during the pandemic. And I'm like, well, I mean, no one's making money right now anyway. So no better time, you know? So it's like, it's now or never, right? So I rebranded. I didn't start completely over, but I started posting a lot more fashion work. And it was kind of like, if you build it, they will come. And that's like quite literally what happened. And it was amazing. The world provided for me. It was super cool. Cause like all of a sudden, all these different opportunities were appearing to me because I became more, I guess, mainstream. I I can't, I can't explain it any other way, but I wasn't so niche anymore in the type of modeling that I did. And all these new doors opened up to me because I was no longer like an art nude model. It was more just like a fashion model or just a model. Like it wasn't art model, art nude, nude, or any of that. It was just, I'm a model. And my online persona reflected that. And I started getting a lot of, I mean, I did, I'm doing fine. It, it just kind of blew my mind. I really didn't think that was going to
0: That's really awesome. Happen.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Like I'm working with companies now that hire me because of that. And because of the brand that basically my brand, my own, you know, my online persona now, and it's, you know, the shift out of it was largely because, you know, when I started modeling art nude, I had this whole concept of the body and I, my whole platform, my whole goal with it was like to desexualize, to, to, not that there's anything wrong with viewing a body sexually, but for me, it was like, i wanted to show the world that women's bodies were capable of so much more right and that we can create art and i wanted so i wanted so badly to be viewed not inherently as this as what i can offer men sexually right yeah and that was super important when i started out and it was kind of finding my flow with the kind of art nude modeling i was creating but I think I just got tired of the way of like, you know, it's going to sound terrible, but I just kind of got tired of the male gaze, you know, I got tired of it. And I came to realize that working with female photographers and working with the, few you know, some male photographers that really align with what my perception of like my kind of art was really important. And I just didn't want to and also, like, my own self-portraiture, I think that's more important also going forward and, like, my events and stuff where I'm kind of creating the flow of my interpretation of the art nude and, like, my contribution to the world. And so I think I'm, like, not landing my plane here.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of meandering, sorry. I have a question about that because I'm really curious. Like, when you rebranded, did you have to kind of try to scrub the internet for your Google search results or...? like to take news off of the internet?
1: Yeah, I so I had to rebrand. So I became Dakota Lee, you know, I had a different brand before. And,
0: you know, like, I still do
1: some art nude, but it's really got to kind of work with what I'm feeling. It's got to really like align with with basically my brand now. And yeah. I mean, that was tough. I I had to just rebrand because it was like, if you Google my former name, I mean, all kinds of art nude stuff would show up. And it's like, but I modeled for some very light fetish stuff, like collars and stuff like that. And I thought, and it's super cool stylistically, but I just, I didn't want to model for anything anymore. That was, that was, too, that was I, my perception of male gaze, like too too noticeably male gaze. And so yeah, I had to re- I had to just like kind of start over.
0: Have you ever had issues with like you mentioned that you've got new opportunities with your, your new brand with the fashion and the lingerie, and have you ever had any of those new opportunity people find your nudes and then have a problem with it? No. No, they haven't. But you know, I'm not working
1: on super large campaigns. Like maybe if I was working for a target campaign or something, maybe that would be an an issue for them. But I just don't think they do. They they don't do a lot of digging for, I think that's more of an issue if your agency signed, right? Because like, then the yeah. agents, the agencies are like they're gonna do. They're the ones doing the research on you. Like I, I, don't even know if Target would give a damn, like about the models necessarily. You know, like they probably don't put a lot of uh, thought into it. They just reach out to, the, to an agency and they're like whoever, whoever their wh- whatever Target team is working on the campaign. You know, they're like, hey, we need models, and then. They built their relationship is through the agency, not through the, through the models. You know, it's yeah,
0: it's, it's not like Target credits their models in the catalog right. anyway. Right, exactly, exactly. So
1: it's like I think the point is typically moot. I think that as long as like your online persona is is currently aligning with whatever company, because I'm my own agent for better or for worse. So as long as my brand is representing what currently what they want so when people look up my instagram you know that's all they care about no and you know and i i'm, I'm like i mean the most you're gonna find in me is like it's like art nude photos i've never done explicit i just don't that's kind of been consistent through my whole work so the my, the most you're gonna see is like a frontal photograph but my it's never been explicit it's never been explicit work so it's like you know you can google me all day you're not gonna really find much (laughs) like besides like shoots of like the most would be like you know me in a collar or something like that
0: yeah like relatively tame stuff yeah
1: like right exactly that's cool
0: well that's really exciting we are getting pretty close to our hour is there anything that you wanted to mention before we go no, I don't think so. Maybe for anyone listening, you know, I, I run events.
1: If you follow me on events with Dakota on Instagram, that would be super great because I'm really focused on them going forward. I'm not sure what links you provide, but yeah, I'm, my Instagram is MS Dakota Lee, short for Miss, right? Miss Dakota Lee on Instagram, but yeah. I guess that's about it.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I'll definitely include your Instagram link and then any other links to any websites or other pages that you have in the show notes.
1: Okay, bet. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this has been really chill. Man, an hour goes by really fast.
0: <laughs> I know, it does. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much. It's been really great talking to you and I will chat with you on Instagram soon. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for having me. Bye, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.